Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Begin to be poured out upon all men. <laughs> this is that spoken by the prophet Joel. This is that spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. Tuning in to the Tell It Like It Is radio broadcast. This is Pastor Bob Simons. We're coming to you live from the studios of KDIX Dickinson, North Dakota. 
I'm the pastor of the New Life Pentecostal Church right here in Dickinson, and uh, we're just so glad that you're listening tonight. You could be listening on the AM radio station here, or you could be listening on KDIX's website or Holy Ghost Radio Channel 2, and this broadcast will eventually be uploaded. This this program will be eventually uploaded to Holy Ghost Radio Channel 2 podcast. So if you ever want to catch one of our programs again, you can tune in that way. Uh, we just want to just tell you a little bit about us before we introduce a really special guest tonight. We've got we do pastor the New Life Pentecostal Church. We've got a great church. We're located at 501 Elks Drive in Dickinson, which is the former Elks building right along Interstate 94 on the north side of the interstate. We turned it into a beautiful church and um, just are starting to fill it up. We're excited about that. God's doing some great things. Had a bunch of new visitors again today in church, and um, that's just been a trend. We're excited about reaching people with the Acts 238 message of repentance, water baptism in the name of Jesus receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, today we're going to do something a little different, and I'm, I've been looking forward to it ever since I found out he was coming in the studio. I've got a friend of mine. His name is Pastor Dale Jones. He's a pastor in the Minneapolis area, and he's going to be telling us his testimony tonight. We're going to be breaking in with a few songs just to give him a little break, and uh, Abe's going to be lining up the music tonight. He's not playing his guitar or anything, but... Uh, Pastor Jones and I go back a very long ways. We used to work together many, many years ago and have known each other for, I think, about 35 years or something like that. that. That's correct. I would, I would imagine 35 years. But I've asked him to share his testimony of how he came to God. I think it's quite a story. It's a phenomenal story. Uh, while he's doing that tonight, if you want to communicate, if you have questions for him, uh, why don't you text me 701 290 7862? 701 Two nine zero seven eight six two. Just going to give a shout out to Wanda listening out in Montana, to Helen listening here in Dickinson, to Carl and Jeannie down in Texas, and it seemed like one more, but I forgot who it was. Well, Sierra's listening in Arkansas, and I I just I got a text from oh uh, Brother Griffith out in Grand in in uh, Great Falls, Montana. Brother Jones, so glad you're with us on the show. Why don't you just tell us about yourself? Tell us your story. Well, thank you, Pastor Bob Simons, and I. It is a great privilege to be uh, speaking to this great radio program and all those that listen to you faithfully out there. I, I know that you've touched many, many hearts, and I feel it an honor uh, to be able to speak to these great group of people that's hearing today. Uh, my story goes back a long ways. I'm, I'm 63, year old, 63 years old right now, but I didn't know God all my life. Uh, when I was uh, 15, I was pretty much into drinking alcohol, and there's a story behind that. I was born into a family that that's all they, um, that's all I seen was alcohol and drunkenness, anger, fighting. Uh, I'm one of eight children in our family, second to the oldest. Uh, my dad was a, a career Air Force. And I spent 23 years in the Air Force, and we very seldom seen him. And when he was home, he really wasn't home. Um, he spent all of his nights uh, drinking and, and partying all night, and most of the time we've never seen him uh, sober. Um, and that, that really left an impression into my heart and my life. Um, I Actually, my culture was born into uh, a very poor environment. So 
what I'm about to tell you here today is, first of all, I just want to say this, is that I learned to love my dad. Um, I began to realize that my father loved me as much as he knew how. And uh, my life was a reflection of how he viewed life. So it all started out uh, many, many years ago. I said, like I said, was 15 years old. My dad thought it was a great thing to feed their sons alcohol. I'm one of, again, five brothers, five brothers in the family, four sisters. And it wasn't too long to where alcohol was a, a common thing for me and uh, at 15. And it led to even harder things. And I began to realize that the environment in which I was raised in and, and grew in, that there was really no life at all. And anger began to rise up in me, hatred. And so I just realized that I could just lose myself in alcohol and drugs. And that was an escape. That's the only thing that I knew what would help me. Later on in the years, I realized that God was the answer. And uh, now the last 40 years of my life, it's, it's just a wonderful thing to know Jesus Christ and how he brought me out of this environment. And it's a miracle. So let me tell you the story. Watching my dad come home from bars and uh, at night when my mom would be waiting for him, crying. She'd be crying, sitting there crying. We would watch her just cry all night long, waiting to hear um, from our father. And most of the time, he would uh, bring home, he was supposed to bring home the um, groceries from uh, shopping at the, at the base after he got his paycheck. There wouldn't be nothing in the house. And uh, mom, I can hear her still today crying over all that. And uh, it really was a hard thing to, to deal with. Well, we thought that that was normal, actually. We thought everybody lived that way. And uh, th that really is a sad, sad uh, outlook to life. It really was. And so as I began to realize that the only way to life is alcohol and drugs, I began to recognize that that was going to be my life. And... So when I was 15 years old, Dad thought it was really great to bring us to the bars, and, and uh, he would introduce us to all of his friends at the bars. This is my son, and this is my son, and this is my son. And um, Deep down inside, I realized that this really wasn't the place I should be. And there was something in my heart that I knew I was displaced. I knew that there could be something else, something out there that's bigger and better than this. But I had no idea where it was. I didn't know how to get there. And then my mom, she took sick of cancer. And that really devastated all of us because she was really the hope in our home, the love and the security in our home. And she suffered for three years. Um, she was in the hospital um, year at a time. We've never really seen her. And so now mom's in the hospital out of state in Wisconsin. We lived in Minnesota. Dad retired from the Air Force but traveling as a trucker now. We don't see him. 
until Monday morning. And then he leaves Monday night and comes back again the next Monday morning when he wakes up from a, a drunken stupor. And so here I am at 15 years old. I have uh, four sisters and four brothers living at home. My older brother left home and, and he went into the military. So I'm left to raise these children, my siblings, at age 15. The youngest one was only about eight months old. The one next to her, the second youngest, she was uh, 12 months old. So I look back today and I wonder how in the world does a 15-year-old take care of these babies and uh, these children when I was a child myself. And that was, in our, that was our environment. That's what we did. And then there was periodic times when, when Dad would come home and he would spend some time at home with us and he was so despondent, we can tell, uh, that he really didn't want to be there. And uh, one day he was um, taken away in an ambulance. We had to call an ambulance because he co- tried to commit suicide, overdosed on drugs. And we watched the, the ambulance drive away with our dad, not knowing that he would live. Mom was in the hospital. And so all hope and life just just ended right there. Well, then I began to get into further relationships outside of uh, home, hanging around with others that sold drugs, um, went into the party life and left my my siblings at home at night, just like what my dad did to me. If I could go back, I would do it all over again. And now that I realize that at 15 you don't you don't know what what you're doing because that's all you knew. And then at age 16, Dad finally, Mom finally passed away, and Dad gathered us all together one night piled us up in a, into a, a station wagon. I had a pickup truck. And in the middle of the night, we left the house. And Dad says, we're, we're moving back to Maryland, where he's from. I had no idea why we were doing this. It just We threw everything that uh, could fit in a pickup truck, and there was eight of us and a dog in a station wagon, and we left that night. And then I found out the reason why. That letter came in the mail one day, and it was from the social service department saying that they were going to take us away and and put us into foster homes. And Dad recognized that this is not going to happen, so he left um, the state of Minnesota, and we went to Maryland. Well, it was no different there, because what Dad had done is he farmed us out to anybody that would take us. And so I lived with my aunt and my sisters lived with their cousins. uh, My brother was farmed out to a fisherman and uh, he was pretty much a slave to the fisherman, a commercial fisherman, and other brothers were farmed out to a farm. And We hadn't really seen each other until on the weekends and when we gathered the weekends uh, where dad uh, had an apartment, uh, that's all dad done was drink. So on the weekend we just seen him drunk all the time. And when I was 17 years old, I remember that night, I don't know what came over me, but I decided to run away. 
And I got into my pickup truck and I drove 2,300 miles um, back to Minnesota and left everybody behind. I thought I could run away from all of it, only to run right smack into something even worse. I was homeless, uh, lonely, uh, didn't like myself, very angry, on on the verge of suicide, and looking for help and a hope, only to go deeper into despair. And I found myself further into drugs, abuse, and my anger grew even worse, and my hatred towards life even grew even more extreme. To where I would I'll be walking down the, the streets in the Duluth, Minnesota, at night after the bars closed, and with the anger and hatred in my eyes and my face that people would even be frightened of me and walk across the street to avoid any confrontation because I was so angry, so upset with life that if somebody would just even cross me or look wrong at me that I would um, encourage a fight. And just for some reason, I don't know why, but I thought that really life didn't mean anything to me. So I, I really had no fear of dying. I had no fear of anything at all i just i had just existed day to day always high always on drugs always in alcohol trying to find the answers to life and never could find it and uh and then one day when relationships begin to fail and break down and uh i remember a simple prayer a prayer that I will never forget. To where I came to the end of my life of wanting to live, and I fell down on my face, and I cried out to a God that I didn't know, God that I didn't believe in, a God that I didn't even heard hear about. And I cried out to Him, it's as if there is a God out there. If you are alive, if you're real, please, I need your help right now, because I'm about to end my life. And tears running down my face for the first time that ever I could remember because the hardness of my heart would not allow me anymore to feel anything because of my hatred towards my father. And so at that point, as a young man, I began to cry out to God. But let me go back just a little bit before all that happened. And all of a sudden, the things begin to flood back into my mind of all the things that I've done, all the, all the, 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 the abuse, all the fights, all the alcohol, all the drugs. And my life began to unfold in front of me. And it's like, it's like I was living all those things all over again just in moments. And I said to God that day, I said, God, if you're real, if you're alive, you need to show to me in a, in a miraculous way. You need to take these things away from me, my anger, my hatred. And if you do that, I will serve you the best I can for the rest of my life. Well, there was a prayer of desperation and tears, and I really believed what I said. So I got up from there, and I shook myself, dried out my tears, and I began to walk back 
into that same world that I knew. And I forgot all about those prayers. I forgot about all those tears that I cried. And I just walked right back in to that past life. We're listening to uh, Brother Dale Jones from the Minneapolis area. Pastor out there telling us his story. This is the Tell It Like It Is radio show. And um, if you're just tuning in late, he's just telling a story, how he came to God, as you've probably picked up on. Uh, the way to con- contact us at the studio right now, this is a live broadcast from Dickinson, North Dakota. It's 701-290-7862. Texting or emailing me, robertsimons58 at gmail.com. This is the Tell It Like It Is show. Just want to say hello to the Torreses, the Schulers, the Lomans, the Stoners, Tristan, uh, some Matherns, some more Lomans, some Woodses and Beulah. The Miles Mathern family, some Burlings is up near Grafton, um, Stormy in the Philippines, Gunner, Uriah, and Amaray in Harvey, and we've got Bill, Chrissy, and their son Kevin listening tonight. Tell me I'm never gonna be anything but a wannabe The sound of the enemy tries to remind me of everything All I'll never be I've heard him say there's just no way I'm ever gonna get back up again And this battle that I'm in He's telling me I'll never win But it's the reds
This is the Tell It Like It Is radio broadcast coming to you live from Dickinson, North Dakota. If you'd like to be a part of um, the show here tonight, you can text Pastor Bob Simons. His cell phone number is 701-290-7862. If you're just tuning in, um, Pastor Jones from Minnesota is sharing his testimony, and we'd like him to get right back to it. (laughs) Thank you, Brother Abe. And uh, I want to, again, thank you, Brother Bob Simons and the church at New Life here in uh, Dickinson. What a wonderful church. What a great group of people. If you're thinking about uh, coming to this church, you're going to stop, stop, stop thinking and just come. And come here Sunday, and I promise you, you'll never be the same again. Uh, going back to my story, I'm just kind of reviewing some of my uh, thoughts here. And uh, I'm one of eight, eight children out of this family. Um, my dad had passed away about three years ago, and uh, before he passed away, we had a tremendous, tremendous relationship. I reconciled this relationship many years ago uh, after I came into the church, and I, I just just want everybody to know that once God got a hold of my heart and took all that anger out, my dad and I became some of the, he became my best friend. I'll get back to that part of that story. But I'm not the only one out of my family that has been very devastated by the environment in which we lived in. Uh, uh, Brothers and sisters, uh, most of them became alcoholics. And uh, I have a brother uh, that died of alcoholism, and he was only 45 years old, and it broke our hearts. And I'm going to tell a story about that in just a few moments. Um, But going back a little bit into my childhood, uh, I had an older brother. And uh, he's still alive here today, and he's changed his life also. Um, but he was a uh, very angry and very mean uh, person, and he would take his his uh, anger out on, on the rest of us. And there was more than one time where I felt um, the heaviness of his anger. In fact, one time he he knocked me out as a uh, just out of anger, frustration, um, and uh, more, I think that was probably two times he just, out of his anger and frustration, um, knocked me out. And, uh, and uh, I didn't think I was going to recover from both of those. Um, I remember one time um, his anger was so severe uh, that when he was 16 years old, I was 15, he decided he was going to have some uh, friends over at the house and uh, stay out in the tent. Well, Mom knew exactly what was going to happen with that. Of course, he was in alcohol and drugs himself, and and she knew that he was going to um, have a party out, drunk, uh, alcohol party out in the in our our yard. And and mom told him, you know, you're not going to do this. Well, she had no control on his anger at all, and this is how this is how we were. My brother was so angry when he opened the the, the door to leave out of the house, stormed out of the house. He grabbed the storm door. And back then it was a wooden storm door. He grabbed that storm door and just ripped it right off the hinges and threw it in the yard. That's how that's how angry we were. That's that's the the fierceness of this immorality that got a hold of us, a hold of us, and this anger just consumed us. And uh, it's just a very frightening thing. I, I can't express to you. I hope I hope somehow today that I could. I could convince you that if you're living in this environment which I came from, if God can do it for me, he can do it for you. He really can. 
And uh, I don't talk too much about my past and the things. I, I rather would talk about what God is doing now in my life, but just to let you know where God brought me from. Um, constantly in fights, constantly angry. I remember one time, um, now this is just not too long after I asked God to, to help me. I went back into this environment. And I had two or three friends that uh, I hung out with, and uh, we every night we would party. And I remember... I remember about six o'clock every evening, uh, one of my friends would pull up in a car and, uh, take me away. And, uh, one, one day, it really, what I'm about to tell you really did bother me. And I was out in the yard, front yard. Now my dad's gone. My mom died. Um, I have, six siblings at home. Two of them are only probably five and six years old. They didn't even know their mom, barely know their dad. And I'm the only one that really that they um, depend on. And so I'm out in the yard playing with them. We're, we're having some fun playing, and they can hear the car come down from the top of the hill, and they know the noise of that car. They know the sound of that car. When the car would pull up, all of a sudden their, their happiness would turn into sadness and they would look at me, Pastor Bob, and they'd go, please don't go. Stay, don't, don't go. And I would look at them and, and this is, yeah, but, but uh, I'll be back. And it wouldn't be until 1, 2 o'clock in the morning when I'd be back. And there they were, left alone all by themselves in, in a home that has no mom, no dad, and not even an older brother. You don't know really how much that really um, hurt me at that time. I realized that I can't take this responsibility anymore. So I, I dove further into drugs, further into alcohol, became more angry at my dad for abandoning us and left me with all this responsibility at home. So there I was, helpless, hopeless, no end, no future, don't even know where my beginning was. But I do, today, I do believe that that crying out to God and that prayer time when I fell on my face and began to cry to God, that simple prayer, God heard that. Well, he did. Because one day, I was drunk and um, high, and I walked into a bar all by myself that, that night, um, very despondent, very um, just unsocial, very angry that night. And I walked into the bar, and um, the bartender refused to serve me because he recognized my condition. And I believe that night was probably going to be the night to where probably I would end my life. It was poised for that that environment, that that uh, mindset. And so, because I was refused alcohol, I began to get very angry and push people around and cause a disturbance. And finally, I made my way back to the backside of the corner of a bar, and I just sat there in the chair. 
And I began to look around. And the darkness enveloped me. And hopelessness and helplessness took over. And somehow I must have whispered to God, Lord, if you're, if you're real, you've got to do it now. And a miracle took place. I've never, I've never ever experienced God. And all of a sudden, it was like somebody turned a bright light on in that, in that bar room. And it was as bright as I've ever seen anything. And it's like I saw myself staggering around, bouncing off bar stools and tables and knocking over drinks and, and just staggering around. It's like I saw myself, but it was those, the people that were there. I seen, I actually seen the ugliness of it all. And God spoke to me almost in an audible voice. He says, son, that's you. And immediately God sobered me up. And I remember I stood up. It's like I looked around like who just spoke to me? Why am I sober? Why am I not high? And I remember walking out of that bar, took the drugs out of my pocket, threw it in a garbage can, and I walked into that night as though it was a brand new day. And I did not understand it all. I, I did not understand the, the miraculous thing that just took place. And I never again ever walked into a bar since then. Well, what do I do with that? And people would, my friends will call me and says, hey, listen, I'm coming to pick you up. That's guy said, no, I don't, just don't feel like drinking anymore. Well, I got, I got, I got some, you know, some, uh, marijuana that that i just just got from columbia I says you know we, let's go get high he says i don't want to do that no more and he says well why he says i don't know i don't know why and my hardness my heart all of a sudden the stoniness of my heart had begun to become tender and i began to realize and and actually the tears that i cried that day in desperation for god to help me tears began to flow down my face and i began to wonder why and then the hunger began. And that next Sunday morning, I began to search for a church. Because I knew that that's where I need to go. And so I would attend one church early in the morning and leave that church and drive to another church that I seen that would be open. And I would drive and attend that church and I would I would go to two or three services, two or three churches on Sunday, trying to find uh, the uh, God that that delivered me from these drugs and these alcohol, and I could not find him in those churches, Pastor Bob. Thousands of people in the parking lot um, in the church and the congregation, beautiful edifices and beautiful buildings and the finery inside the building. I thought that's that's where the God that, that delivered me from alcohol and drugs, that's where the God that, that um, surely he's there. And I walked away empty. And I do remember walking into a, a beautiful building, a beautiful church and there must have been three, four hundred people in the congregation there, and I stood there in the back. Well, at that time, I still had long hair on my shoulders. I had a uh, beard, and uh, 
you know, the alcohol effects were still kind of foggy in my mind. And I remember standing there at the end of the service and, and I was looking at this beautiful altar and for some odd reason, I felt like that's where you need to go. That's where you're going to find me. And so I was waiting for the pastor the, to call me up to the altar and then he dismissed everybody and one by one people will file past me, Pastor Bob, and not even look at me. And I would stand there and I would just be, if this is God's church, then why am I being ignored? Why, you know, and I'm, I'm looking for answers. I'm, I'm looking for somebody, surely because they attend church, they can answer the question, why, why don't I want to drink anymore? Why am I crying most of the time? Why am I so, you know, like this? And why am I, why am I going to church? And nobody, they just walked right past me. So, but God drew me up to that altar when everybody was gone. It was silent in the church. The pastor left, went into a side room somewhere. And there I was, standing, looking at an altar, tears running down my face, and something drew me up to that altar. There was no altar call from a man, but I felt like God was drawing me, and I walked up to the altar, and I knelt down in that altar, and I began to cry. I began to ask God to forgive me of my anger and God, let me have that love for my father. And I asked him to forgive me of all the hatred and tears streaming down my face. And, and I don't know how long I was there, but I heard a noise. I heard a door open, and I looked off to the side, and there was the pastor coming out of the office. And I startled him, and he startled me. And I looked up at him, tears running down my face, and I had the look. I know I had an expression on my face that, that I was asking the question, Can you help me? Can you tell me why? And he knew that I was asking that question silently because he shook his head back and forth. And he says, I wish there were more like you. And I go, there, there it is. He can help me. But when he said that, he turned around and walked back in his office and closed the door. I said, oh, God, if he can't help me, where do I go? What do I do? And out of nowhere, a a friend of mine that I did not know that his mother attended church. And he was the one that sold me drugs. He's the one that um, partied with me all this time. And he's the one that's been asking me to keep going out with him. And I told him I don't want to. And he says, you know what you need to do? You need to go to a church where my mom goes. I said, sure, I'll I'll go. And it was a broken down building. Parking lot wasn't really fancy at all. It was an old building. And I drove up into the parking lot. Walked into that door, the foyer of that door, and something began to hit me and move on me. And I felt that same spirit that I felt in that day in the bar. And, I, and God said, this is where you need to be. <laughs> it wasn't beautiful church. It wasn't a fancy church. And I walked into the back and the music began to play. And the music began to touch my heart. And 
I began to look around and people were lifting their hands and they were worshiping and I've never seen nothing like it before and it was a very strange experience but yet my spirit began to to be drawn to and I began to realize this is where God is and these people know God and when the preacher began to preach the answers began to be answered and I realized all those years I was searching, I realized that I found the place where I really needed to be. And that was the Apostolic Gospel Church in Duluth, Minnesota, pastored by uh, James Merrick, my pastor. Now he's retired, but is a United Pentecostal Church. But it wasn't... And I, I didn't know nothing about Pentecost. I didn't even know what Pentecost was. I didn't even know what being filled with the Holy Ghost was. I didn't know nothing about the name of Jesus Christ. I didn't know nothing about uh, living a, 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 a holiness. I didn't even know what holiness was. I didn't know what baptism was. That's not what drew me to that church. What drew me to that church was the power and the presence of God and His holiness. Because you got to recognize, you see, that God told me to walk away from all those sinful things that I was doing in this world. Nobody told me that I shouldn't go to movie theaters anymore. Nobody told me that I shouldn't go to, to bars anymore. Nobody told me I shouldn't go to rock concerts anymore. Nobody told me phys- physically, aud- audibly from a, a physical person, never told me I didn't need it because, because that's what I asked God to deliver me from. It wasn't the music that I was drawn to. It was the moral standard. It was the power of God. I finally found the church. I finally found the church. It didn't have a name. It had a power. And finally when I realized what that power was, there was a name to that power in the name of Jesus Christ. Holiness is his name. And I, the flood of tears began to pour out of me of gratitude and thankfulness. And I walked up to the altar and there was an altar call. An altar call. And I go, this is exactly what I've been waiting for. And not only I was going up to the altar, but there was multitudes of people around me walking to the altar, tears running down their face. I says, they're just like me. I said, I found the place. I found it. It took a lot of searching. It took a lot of heartaches. It took a lot of just disappointments. But at 20 years old, God answered that little simple prayer. If you're real, God, show me and I'll live for you. I'll live for you. Well, I've been pastoring for 37 years. I owe a debt that I know I can't pay, but I do the best I can to pay the debt that I owe. And I'm going to live my life accordingly. And so that was the beginning of something that's so beautiful, so wonderful. But anger was still part of me. The the Towards my dad, the resentment towards my dad and was still eating on me and uh, bothered me and I I had such a uh, 
just an anger towards his alcohol and his drugs and and what he's done to our family. And so, after about two weeks of going to that church, God filled me with the baptism of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. And that's, that's a testimony in itself because, you see, you need to understand this. Is that when I found the place in God and found the church of that has a moral standard and holiness and my repentance was so um, pure that I felt so clean that I thought that there could not possibly be anything greater than knowing that God has forgiven you and that you, your repentance is and you find the answer and you know who God is. Nothing greater than that. So when they told me you can receive the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, I asked him, what is that? He said, well, that's God coming inside of you and touching you. And He says, oh, there's no doubt that happened to me. He said, when, when I came into this church, I felt the power and presence of God. I, I felt it. He says, no, but did you speak with other tongues? I said, no, I didn't. And uh, he says, well, then there's greater things. And so that really got me thinking because how can anything be better than knowing that you found the answer to life and that you repented and your sins are are, are forgiven and, and that you found that place in God and that position in God to where he took all of that anger or all of the uh, drugs and alcohol away from you. and How can anything be better than that? And then one day, I remember... I'll never forget this. The pastor Merrick asked for people to come up forward for prayer, and I needed healing in my body because I uh, I, I had uh, my feet, the bottom of my feet were rotting off, and um, doctors couldn't do nothing about it. And and I, literally, my feet, the skin of my feet, I would peel um, the skin away. It was just a terrible, terrible thing. And so it says, well, if God could heal, I'm going to go up and. I'm going to ask the pastor to pray for me. And so I left the pew and I got about three quarters away up the aisle and I felt something very powerfully hit me in, inside in my spirit. And I remember Pastor Merrick standing there and ready to, to lay hands on me. Before he touched me, I began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. And the fire hit me so hard. I began to dance and shout around the church. And uh, I spoke in tongues all night long. Well, you got to understand this, folks. The devil had me for many, many years and almost took me down. And God showed himself that he's greater and more powerful than that. And that I'll never forget. I'll never forget that day. And I thank God to this day. You're listening to the Tell It Like It Is radio program, and this is Pastor Jones from the Minneapolis area. I want to just say hello to Paul from Wapaton, Steve and Elaine listening tonight. Uh, we've got uh, Dave and Lauren listening in Fargo. Uh, we've got, uh, there's some girls, brother, uh, when you come back in after we turn this over to Mike, there's some girls from out of Minneapolis who want, want their grandpa to say hi to them too, so you come back, make sure you do that. I got a text here from that. 
So, uh, but you are listening to the Tell Like It Is radio show. We're going to play just part of a song. Abe's going to come back in, make some announcements, and we're going to let Brother Jones wrap up this program. Stormy, good to hear from you. Here at the Tell It Like It Is radio show. Good to have you listening. You must have hit that button. Um, we, we're going to bring, we're going to cut that song a little short. I'm going to let Abe make some announcements. But before I do, if you want to get to know Pastor Jones, uh, the next place he's going to be speaking will be in Beach at the Beach Community Center. He spoke at our church today, and he'll be out at Beach, uh, Beach, North Dakota, 7:30 at the Beach Community Center. Uh, if you'd like to meet him. Uh, he, I know he'd be glad to meet you out there. It's, I know it's a long ways from Dickinson, but, uh, uh, you know, I, I think it would be worth your drive to go out there. We're going to have a special service out there at the Beach Community Center. And I know God's going to do some great things. Here's, uh, Abe giving you some announcements. We're from the New Life Pentecostal Church, um, here in Dickinson, North Dakota. You can visit us, um, on Sunday mornings. We have Sunday school at 10 o'clock a.m. and our worship service is at 11 o'clock a.m. Uh, the address is 501 Elks Drive, Dickinson, North Dakota, um, at the New Life Pentecostal Church. Our next service is Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Um, like um, Pastor Bob mentioned, there's a service in Beach at the Beach Community Center every Tuesday night at 7.30 p.m. Um, Brother Joe Hostetler is the leader there, and it's just one midweek service every Tuesday night. 7.30 p.m. at the Beach Community Center. Also, if you're from Bowman or the Bowman area, they got a midweek service there every Thursday night. Um, and it's an apostolic church. The, the, the name of that church is the Cornerstone Apostolic Church. Um, the address is 18 North Main. And uh, they have service every Thursday night, 7.30 um, p.m. If you're from Beulah, and you'd like to go to an apostolic church, there's the Truth Community Church. The address to that um, church is 223rd Street Northwest. They have service Sunday morning at 1030 um, and Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. Um, if you'd like more information, you can um, call or text Pastor Simons. His um, cell phone number is 701-290-7862, or you can email him. His email is robertsimons58 at gmail.com. 
tonight we have Brother Jones um, giving his testimony, and uh, we'd just like him to wrap it up. All right. Thank you, Brother Abe, and uh, thank you, Pastor Bob Simons, and thank you, New Life Tabernacle and uh, New Life Church in Dickinson, North Dakota, a wonderful church, a great group of people. Be there. Be there. God will do a miracle in your life, I promise you. I just found out that my uh, family is listening uh, online, and I want to greet them. Uh, my daughter, son-in-law, uh, they pastor the church there in uh, Columbia Heights, Minneapolis area. And uh, I want to say hi to Olivia, Nora, Catherine, Violet. Uh, love you, and uh, thank you for listening. You're, you're, you're the best. Uh, so, trying to wrap it up here, to, and there's so much more to to say what God's done and um, how much he's blessed me throughout the years. Uh, I've been living for God now for 40 years. 40 years. And I never regret any of it. And uh, God gets even better and better every year, every moment. Can't hardly wait till tomorrow to see what God's going to do. It, was not, it has not always been that way. In fact, I've been living for God twice as long as I've been uh, living in this world. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Well, when I was back in, in the world and when I was before I was uh, before I came to the church, there's one thing that I said to myself that I'll if I do get married. In fact, I did not want to get married. The reason why I said that is because I'll never want to put my family through the things that my dad did. And so I never wanted to get married. I never wanted to see my children ever see their father drunk. I never wanted to hear that my wife would be crying tears waiting for me to come home from a bar. I, I would, I said to myself, I'll never do that. Never do that. Well, now I have a beautiful family. My wife of 37 years, love her so much. She's one of the most faithful women I've ever met in my life. Um, very, very, a help me to me. I love you, Sue. I know you're listening. Love you. Thank you for all those years and the more years to come. Well, I left you off with me receiving the Holy Ghost and then I was baptized in Jesus' name, washing away my sins and uh, wonderful, wonderful experience knowing that my sins will never be remembered again. It wasn't very long, just a few weeks later, I said that I got to take this back to my family. My family needs to know what happened. My family needs to understand that there's hope. Because my dad is still living the same way. In fact, uh, I heard that they, they, my dad had finally bought a house and I heard that they lost their house and the reason why they lost their house because one night my dad was in a, a poker game and he gambled our house away. And there are, my, my, my family is living homeless now. And, and, and when I heard about that, anger again began to rise up within me. And so when I, I got back to Maryland, that's where they're all living and that's where they were from. And I arrived by airplane. I want to back up just a minute. So there was a friend of mine that was going to college on Minneapolis and I asked him if he would drive me to the airport and I stayed at his house and early in the morning he would drive me to the airport and I was taking my um, my little suitcase and with that I had a Bible study chart 
And uh, he said, what's that? He says, well, brother, his name is Greg Johnson. I says, Greg Johnson? He said, let me tell you what happened to me. And I began to tell him what happened. So I took that chart, and it was 12 lessons. I taught him 12 lessons in about five minutes. <laughs> On the way to the airport, I said to him, he says, I'll be back in 30 days. Come pick me up. And if you have any questions, he says, I'm going to answer every question that you have. And uh, when I got back after 30 days, he had a notebook full of questions. And uh, I says, well, I said to him, because he was being uh, stationed in uh, Fort Huchuca, Arizona. I says, when you get there, look up a church called United Pentecostal Church, and they will answer the rest of your questions. Well, getting back uh, to my family. So I, I took that Bible study chart that I had, took it on the plane, went back to my family, and uh, found a, uh, a Pentecostal church there. I told them my conversion, told them what God's done. They seemed to change in my life. And uh, they were very excited to see that something happened, something different happened with me. And uh, I said, we need to go to church. I piled up in my dad's uh, Cadillac. And uh, there was eight of us. Let's see, there was nine of us in that Cadillac. And we pulled into the church. I didn't know it was a home missions church. And it was just a block, cinder block building and walked into through a steel door. And when I walked into that threshold of that door, uh, the, the altar benches, the benches were, um, the wooden benches, the altar was a two by six, um, um, on two blocks, uh, two cement blocks. That was the altar. The only buddy that was there was the pastor and his wife. I did not know none of this. But when my family, one by one, walked through the threshold of that door, and I turned around and looked at them, tears, tears were flowing down their face. And they didn't even go and sit down. They walked up to the altar, and they began to pray and ask God for thanks. And I was just awestruck of the power, once again, the power of God, with even without words, God drew them to an altar and they began to cry. I baptized every one of them in the name of Jesus Christ. That was their first converse in that home missions church. Well, I was not able to stay and, and, uh, and teach them um, and disciple them. And so they drifted away from God. And some of them are starting to come back now. And so I only have a few minutes to, to wrap this up, and I need to deal with something that was so important. I need to deal with my anger towards my father. And I believe that there's somebody out there today that is still holding uh, anger and bitterness. I want you to know this, that really it's not your dad's fault or it's not the fault of others where we are today. They have maybe influenced us. And the environment may have caused us some, a lot of pain. I'm not taking that away from you. But God is the answer. And so one day I finally decided I need to take care of this. And God told me to do something. And so I began to write a letter. And in this letter, God allowed me to remember all the good things that my father has done for me. And so I began to write them down, and as I wrote them down, tears of joy begin to flood my soul, and that anger begins to be released. And God reminded me that your father has done a lot of things 
But because of all the ugly things that you've seen, you didn't know all the good things he's done. And I began to write them down. And God began to show me and open up those doors. And I wrote that letter and sent it off to my dad. And for the first time, my dad called me on the phone sober. I've never had him ever call me up. And he says, son, you remember those things? I says, yeah, dad, I remember. And he said, thank you. Thank you, son. And he began to tell me how much he loved me. And he began to express to me things that he's never able to express. And I began to cry. And began to, and that's when we began to build that relationship. And he, he, when he came to visit me in Minnesota, he always went to the church with me. And he says, son, I love your church. I love your church. I love the church you pastor. I love the church. And uh, he never did receive the Holy Ghost. But on his deathbed, he called me to his side. He says, son, he says, I, I, I need to talk to you. And he said, dad, are you ready? He says, son, I just wanted you to know I need to get some things right. I says, dad, we to pray with you. He said, please. And he got some things right. It's only in God's hands. But when he passed away, I knew he was, he was in his home. I was staying with him, and I knew the moment he died. And I just felt that God is going to have and straighten some things out. And so I just want to tell you here today that God can do the same thing for you. First of all, that God can bring you to a place to where you would cry out to Him. And if you will, that simple prayer, that simple prayer is a prayer of salvation. And God will honor that prayer. God will take away your pain and your suffering. And God will take away your addictions. And God will do this very same thing He did for me. He can do it for you. Thank you so much. We're out of time, folks. That was Pastor Dale Jones. From the Minneapolis area, this is Pastor Bob with the Tell It Like It Is. I really believe that. he. Uh, last time we had him do this many years ago, he was in the studio telling his story, and I touched a lot of people. Uh, we, I really want to encourage you, if you'd like to meet him, be in Beach Tuesday night, Beach Community Center at 730, and you can meet Pastor Jones. Of course, if you can't, you know where our church is, and Abe told you all about that. But uh, God bless you, and we're looking forward to being with you next Sunday night for another Tell it like it is radio show. And thanks for all the texting and all the communication. Okay, good night. You are my light. You are my joy. In the midnight. You speak the word. I feel a call. I know in you. I can be strong. Joy in the 
Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.